Father, we just invite you into this place. Let your presence just fill the room. As our hearts are open to you, our eyes are fixed on you, God. We lift you up. and praise. So let's declare this out together. When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. Come on. When I open up my mouth, Miracles start breaking out. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. Come on, we said. When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me when I open up my mouth 
sometimes we just have to remind ourselves that even when we don't see him moving, he's still moving. Even when we feel like he might not be there, he is present. He is faithful. All we have to choose is to continue to trust, continue to praise, despite of the circumstance, because our circumstance does not define our praise. Our praise comes in spite of the circumstance. So let's continue to fix our eyes. And we need to declare this. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Come on. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Sing that out. Cause you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's just who you are. You never change. You never fail. You're worthy of our praise. You're always worthy. You're always worthy, Lord. All our praise, all our praise, Jesus. Oh, we worship you. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Stay in these moments. Let's not rush out of his presence. Just be here. Pastor James is starting the Revelation series today. And there's this scene in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 4. 
where John sees what's taking place and he just sees this room of just praise. Just praise riding up in adoration at the holiness of God. So moved, so humbled by the scene. And see, and that's the thing, we don't have to wait until eternity to be able to come before the throne and behold the holiness of God. Jesus made the way for us. So that means that right here in this room right now, that we can just fix our eyes on Jesus and we can worship him, we can praise God. That's incredible. And see, and I think when we behold the holiness of God, it really helps us to realize just the insignificance of us. But I think that's the point. Because I think so often we put ourselves on the throne of our lives or we put circumstances or things or stuff and they steal the attention and the affection that really should be God's and God's alone. He should be on the throne. As holy is who he is. Always worthy of our praise. So in these moments, can we just behold God? Just lay everything down. You know, Charles Spurgeon says that our praise here is really just a dress rehearsal for what's to come in eternity. And so I say, let's cultivate a posture of praise here. Let's not wait for eternity, but let's just let our song rise. Let's let our adoration of who he is rise simply because he is God and he is worthy of praise. Amen. So let's just continue to seek him. Continue to worship him. And let's let that song rise to him. Holy, holy are you, God. Oh, 
Father, we worship you. God, we behold your holiness. We are humbled. God, we worship you. We praise your holy name, Jesus. God, thank you for these moments in your presence. 
We love them. God, we just give you our lives. Be with Pastor James as he delivers the word. God, we come expectant to hear from you, to be moved by you. So speak, for we are listening, Father. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Man, what an awesome time of worship. It's so great just to be able to be in a room together and encounter the presence of God. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, students, you guys can go ahead and go back to the youth room. Uh, if you are a guest with us, welcome to church. It's so great to have you uh, with us on this Sunday morning. Hey, if you want to pull out your phone and you are a guest, then just scan that QR code on the screen. Uh, it's going to take you to a website, so if you can't get the QR code to work, it is salemfields.com slash guest. Um, but really just, just information there. Anything that you could possibly want to know about the church, you can find there. And there's also a connection card there. We want to encourage you. It takes like 30 seconds to fill out. But it's just a way that we can reach out, get to know who you are, tell you a little bit about us, let us get to know you, um, and really even just give you some next steps with how to just to get engaged and involved in the community. Uh, well, we just got done worshiping in song, but another way that we worship God here at Salem Fields Community Church is just through giving, being able to just give the first fruits of what he's given us to be able to honor him in that way and help carry his message of hope, love, and eternal life through the blood of Jesus throughout this entire world. And so uh, we thank you for uh, your generosity. There are many ways that you can give. You can go out to one of the giving kiosks online, click that little green button in the top right-hand corner, or as always, you can give at salemfields.com slash giving. Uh, the students just left, so if you have a student, make sure that they come on Wednesday, June 30th from 6 to 8 p.m. There's going to be a bonfire. It's going to be awesome. Or if you know a student uh, that you think would love to check that out or even online, make sure you go and you join that. It's going to be a great time again on Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. If you have any questions about that, just email students at salemfields.com. Pastor James starts the Revelation series today. I'm super excited about it, and I hope you guys are too. Uh, it's going to be a great summer of just really uh, just engaging that book. So, Pastor James. Good morning, Belongas. How are you doing? Whether you're in the auditorium or online, we're so glad you're here today. Let me just kind of give one more uh, announcement. Uh, we're going to book in summer with two uh, big events, and one will be our uh, Independence Weekend celebration, and that's going to be on July the 3rd. And so that will be opportunity for you to do some tailgating, bring your own food. We'll have some shaved ice there, some games, uh, some big games and small games for little kids and big kids. And uh, that will be a great family time. And then to end the summer, we're going to have a firework extravaganza on Labor Day uh, weekend. So that's Sunday. That's Sunday the 5th. Uh, fireworks, uh, food trucks, and all the good stuff that goes along with that. So I want you to write, uh, put that on your calendars. And uh, one of the things we would ask you to do is we need some folks that can help out. So if you're willing to help out with traffic or help out with crowd control or anything like that, we would love for you to go to that connection card online and just put down, uh, you can put down either July the 3rd or you can put down September the 5th, and uh, that will be uh, our way of getting back to you to tell you how you can help. I see some of you got the memo. Some of you got the memo today, and you're, you're in your shorts. And, and for some of you, 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 you kind of think to yourself, well, if my legs looked as good as James, I would wear shorts as well, right? Or you're saying, if my legs look as bad as James's, I would not put shorts on. 
But either way, we, uh, we have moved into summer, and so I want you to take it easy, and, uh, and basically, so we're going to be in a short mode here. I've done this every summer for about 10 years, and uh, I hope that you'll get in the mode, and if you feel comfortable, we, we uh, always say here, come as you are, dress as you are, you're fine, and if you're, if you're there at home, and you probably already have your shorts on, or your pajama bottoms, or whatever the case might be, we're happy for you. So today we open this series on Revelation. And uh, I'm really excited about this. Am I praying about it, researching it, thinking it through, kind of contextualize it for where we are. Um, but it reminds me that during the COVID season, there were many things that happened during COVID season. But one of the things that happened is we were at home a lot. And so Rose and I, we decided to renovate our home. And when I say renovate, renovate, I mean we, we took everything down. We put everything in the center location. Sometimes it was in the basement, sometimes in the garage, and we painted everything. So, so we, the windows, the ceilings, the, the, the flooring, the whole, we just painted everything. And so because of that, we had all of this stuff in the middle. And, uh, and then we decided that we were going to re- renovate or recreate or repurpose some of our stuff in different ways. And so there was some stuff that was upstairs that ended up in the basement. Some wall hangings, some decorations, all that kind of stuff. So some stuff that was on the main floor went upstairs. And uh, some stuff that were in the basement went to a bedroom. You get the picture. We decided to kind of redecorate with the stuff that we had. And it's so, it's so amazing when you take everything off the walls and you decide that you're going to redecorate how you can totally make a house look new with the stuff that you have. And so uh, I, I remember us doing that. And so it, it was interesting that as we did that, there was a messy point. There was a point where stuff was uh, kind of in this pile and there was some stuff we were going to keep. There was some stuff that we were going to throw away, but it was really, really messy. And there was a point in the journey where we said, my goodness gracious, is this ever going to get done? Maybe you've been there. You're doing a renovation project and you ask yourself the question, is it ever going to get done? And, uh, and it's still not done because I worked on some stuff, not Rose, because Rose's stuff is done. I worked on some stuff that I hadn't got done even yesterday. But you know what happens? There comes a time that when you get it all finished and you have a, you can kind of have a reveal and it's a wow kind of a moment. The book of Revelation is about God doing the same thing with his creation. He gives us a peek into what the process looks like in the future. Sure, there's some deconstruction, right? There's some teardown, there's some demolition, and, and, and even some messy moments like, like we had with our redecorating. But when the reveal happens, it, it's just one of those great moments and you look and you say, man, that looks good. Revelation is a little bit like that. Genesis is the, is the book of beginnings and endings. Revelation is a book of endings and then new beginnings. The book of Revelation starts with deconstruction and renovation, but ends with a revealed, uh, a reveal of a, of a reclaimed and recycled and reused and recreated and renovated creation. So as you put your finger on the first book of the Bible, you have your finger in this book of beginnings 
and endings, right? So God creates everything, and everything is good, and we're walking with him in the, in, the, in the cool of the day, and we're having conversation, and there's nothing hidden, and there's no shame, and no crying, and no pain, and then disobedience comes, and the fall comes, and what was started comes to a screeching halt, and then all that, that God had to do through his grace to, to send Jesus to deal with our sin and our rebellion and our shame and our guilt and, and all the stuff that sin, sin brings into our world. Remember, the first murder happened after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And then if you were to turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, not Revelations, some of us kind of mess that up sometimes, right? We say revelations. It's revelation, right? One revealing of what God is doing throughout the whole book. So put your finger in that book. Genesis' book of beginnings and endings and Revelation's book of endings and new beginnings. The book starts with deconstruction. I mean, it starts with all the messy stuff. It starts at home, frankly. We're going to start next week, and we're going to talk for seven weeks about starting at home because you know how that works. It, it, you start at home. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, so, and then we move from that deconstruction, from that, from that renovation to a, a hard up new creation. The Bible is a pretty amazing book. Really amazing book. And, and, and so when we look at this idea of creation and then new creation, we get the picture of the whole book. So let's, let's, uh, this morning I want to just kind of give us an orientation to the book of Re Revelation as we prepare to dig into it more specifically next week. So I want you to understand a couple of things. And I believe that if you, if you understand these things, that you'll have the ability to understand the book in its entirety. The, the problem today is, is some of us pick and choose. We kind of cherry pick what we read. We kind of cherry pick what we understand. But you need to look at the book in totality. And so let me give you some, uh, some background to the book. It's important to know that it's recorded by John. Remember John the Apostle? He was the one that walked with Jesus, the one that, that, that called himself Jesus' beloved, the one that wrote a number of books in the Bible. The, the one who's there with Jesus, with Jesus and his mother and, and at the end in the crucifixion. And, and, and Jesus says, behold your son, behold your mother. That John, Revelation is one of the books with a guaranteed blessing. Listen to what it says in Revelation 1-3. How blessed the reader, how blessed the hearers and keepers of this oracle word. All the words written in the book, time is just about up. So it's, it's, it's recorded by the Apostle John, and it's written from a place called Patmos. Now, Patmos is not like Laguna Beach or, or Key West or Spring, Spring, uh, Spring whatever, Spring, Palm Spring, Florida. It's not like one of those places, right? It's not a sun and fun place. It's not a place where you, where you go and you just kind of sun out and you lay out and you have a good time. Patmos was the Alcatraz of his day before Alcatraz became a tourist site. Patmos was a place that you took a person and you left them there to die. It was like being sent to Siberia or something like that. Remember, John is the last man standing. 
All the rest of the apostles have given their lives for the cause of the kingdom. And John, they tried to kill him, but it didn't take. And so because it didn't take, they put him on this island to let him die. And so John is there when this revelation comes to him. It's a book written at about 95 A.D., a final thing about understanding the background of the book is this prophetic. It's prophetic in message. Prophetic means it looks toward the future and foretells and foretells what God is going to be up to. And it's, it's apocalyptic in form. Apocalypse simply means to unveil or to reveal. So it's kind of writing that pulls open the curtain and lets us in on what God is planning to do. It's something that we clearly have never seen before. So that gives you some background. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to recognize the purpose. When we think about the purpose of Revelation, if we were listening to the, the, the scaremongers, the fearmongers, it's all about death and destruction and all of that kind of stuff. But I want you to understand, why did God write it? Why is it necessary? There have been different ideas over the years, but there are about four general interpretations. These are important, all right? The pre preacherous view is the view that Revelation is just about the past. Revelation is about the Roman government government uh, at the time, the, the Roman government that was in power at the time. It was the empire of the day. And all the symbols are already fulfilled. All the symbols, all the pictures of what's going to happen in Rome, and, and those symbols have already taken place. That's the one view. The second, I don't agree with that view, by the way. The second view is the historic, historically continuous view. This is a view that the book of Revelation is the history of the church from the days of John. So basically, Revelation is telling this history of the church. And so the church in, in different forms and different seasons of the church, it, it tells what's happening in the church. This view, example, became really famous or really popular when people were kind of in the, the Catholic churches, the great Babylon, and, and God's going to take down the Catholic church and it's evil and how God is going to bring it down. I don't believe this is a view. I don't believe in this view and I don't believe it's the purpose of the book. The book is about the whole world and not just one faith or one religion, all right? The third view is the spiritualized view. It's the, it's the view that the book is purely symbolic. It's, it's, it's just a lot of great pictures. God wanted to give us some great pictures, wanted to capture our imagination. And the pictures are, are what the end is going to be like, but none of these pictures are actually going to happen. It's, it's just written to, to get us to pique our curiosity. I don't agree with this view either. It's obvious when you read the book, there's this urgent reality to it. It's not some book of, about some stuff that's never going to happen. And then the last view is the futurist view. It's the view that the prophecies are about the end times and they're going to come to pass. This is a view that I kind of... Uh, uh, stay with, right? This is the view that I agree. Yes, John is writing to a church that's been persecuted. Yes, John is writing to a church that has had some hardships. And yes, they recognize some of the things that John is talking about as they read this letter. And yes, they can contextualize some of the things just like we can to today. But the book of Revelation is about what's to come. So, so you got some background, you, you can understand the purpose, but you also need to see the hope. 
to see the hope. One more thing that's important when we look at this book is, is this idea of uh, when we look at it and view it in its entirety, uh, when we discover that it speaks to the future, we need to not miss hope. Revelation is about, the purpose of this book is about a four-letter word called hope. The believers who first read this book were under intense persecution. Some stuff that we might never go through, but people are going through it all over the world. I had an opportunity about 12 years ago to go to Amman, Jordan. I was in the Middle East, and I had a chance to preach at this church in Amman, Jordan, and there's a, a, a Nazarene church there. And it was an interesting situation because in Jordan, this predominantly Muslim nation, if your family has a Christian history, uh, they don't mind that you're Christian. They don't mind that you're Christian. They don't mind that your kids are Christian, right? But if you are a Muslim there and you go to convert to Christianity, that's when the problems happen. So the pastor said to me, as I was there and I was preaching, he said, see that person over there? That person's the church police. Their job is to come here and see if someone converts. And when they convert, they disappear. Most of us will never go through that kind of persecution. But just think about going through that kind of persecution. Just think about um, what those believers who were under that kind of persecution, you, you know, the, the emperors were trying to stamp out the way. They were trying to stamp out Christianity. So some of them, they were dipping in tar and lighting the flame. Some of them, they were beheading. And, and all the apostles died, whether it's on the cross or upside down on the cross, all of them died. Some through stoning. But you can imagine if that was your world, if you live in a world where, where, there was a t where there was intense persecution, if you lived in a world where, where your world was falling apart, if you had no hope that the world, uh, that no hope in the world, and the world was a complete mess, you just might be able to understand how much hope you would experience if you realize that the world wasn't always going to be like this. That one day the world was going to totally change. That one day God was going to recreate and renovate and, and reuse and, and, and do all of these R words so that the world is different. Can you imagine that they thought, well, when he does that, all those who are in relationship with them, those who are giving their lives, those who have decided that they are going with Jesus and they're not turning back. Can you imagine them thinking, man, when all of this recreation happens, when all of this renewal happens, we're going to be with him forever. No suffering, no pain, no crying. Because the old order of things, the things that they were going through will pass away and all things would become new. Can you imagine the need for that kind of help? for churches that were going through hell on earth. Let me talk a little bit about the outline. I just want you to know that I have outlined the whole series, even though it's going to be three summers. I've outlined the whole series, and you can get it online. You can go right there to that, uh, 
that link and you can get the outline for the whole series. I want you to get into this. Maybe during your summer times, for the next three summers, you'll just kind of dig into the book of Revelation and you will, you will spend your time camping out there. And I've tried to outline it for you so you know exactly kind of what's going on there. But the outline of the book, the, the Twitter version of the outline of the book is pretty easy. It's found in Revelation 1.19, and this is what it says. Now write down everything you see. Those are John's instructions. Write down everything you see, the things that are and the things about to be. Three instructions, right? Write down everything you see, the things that are, the things that are about to be. Let me talk about, in chapter 1 is, let me talk about everything you see. Guess who John sees in chapter 1? Guess who John sees at the very beginning? He sees Jesus Christ. That's going to give you some indication about what's going on in the book. Before you even read what's here, uh, before you, you even, it, just, just pretend like you had never read it. When I say the word Jesus Christ, some images come to your mind, some pictures come to your mind. Some people picture this baby in the manger, the Christmas scene, right? Everybody loves a baby in the manger. How cute, right? Everybody, some people picture this gentle shepherd of a man, a healer. Some people picture this Christ on the cross, and some people even picture the resurrected Lord. But the picture at the start of the book of Revelation is unlike any picture we've ever seen. It is a picture of inc that's incredibly powerful because who Jesus is. And, and we'll get back, we'll save what that picture is like until the to the end of the message. Number two, the things that are, chapters two and three. And John talks about the churches of that day, the churches of that day in Asia Minor, the churches Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea, some of these churches. So he has a message for each church because some of these churches, or I should say most of these churches, have lost their love for him. They're going through persecution and their, their love is waxed cold. Most of these churches, um, well, some of them have become impure, right? Some of them have become impure and he kind of deals with them. A few of them have been faithful and he honors them for that. He challenges them to be the people of God in the midst of intense persecution. We could use some challenge like that. We could, we could, Listen to that challenge, and, and I believe God challenges his church today as we move into a post-Christian society, and, and, and as some of the things that we hold most near and dear to our hearts begin to dissipate, God calls us in the middle of all of that to be the people of God. He calls us in the middle of that. He calls us to be the kingdom, to be part of the kingdom God's already begun his recreation, right? We're in a kingdom, and he says the kingdom is not going to pass away. He calls us to be the people who pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And then, as I said a couple of weeks ago, as we pray that pray, we, prayer, we say, God, I'm a part of the kingdom, and that means, God, your way, your will be done in my life, in my home, in my job situation, in, in my activities, in my 24-7 life. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
And then in chapters 4 through 22, the things about to be. As you end the chapter 4 of Revelation, the thing changes from earth to heaven. In chapter 4, John is invited to come up here, right? He's invited to come up here. He doesn't just see heaven. He is taken to heaven to see what God is doing there, to see what's up. It's like the, the, the great reveal. He, the curtain comes open, and he gets to see what heaven is like and what God is doing. And he sees the Lord sitting on the throne, and John passes out. At the sight of God, as a sight of the Lord, he passes out and, and he falls down in worship. This gives you another picture about what Revelation is about. We see this throughout the Bible. Anytime someone comes in contact with the, the, the Most High, anytime they come in contact with God, it's like they're undone, right? They pass out holiness. He sees all of that and he falls down in worship. Revelation begins with the spirit of worship. Now let's get into this deconstruction, this, this renovation side. So there's seven seals of final conflict. Revelation is a book of sevens, right? Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. As God unveils the things in these sevens, he unveils what he's going to do at the end of time. But the prelude, there's this interesting prelude. I love these scenes in Revelation where everything gets quiet. Pay attention to the times where everything gets quiet. Because there's this quiet moment because someone yells out, who is worthy to open the seven seals? And John weeps because no one is found that is worthy. And when all hope seems to be gone, and when it seems like the seven seals aren't going to be opened, then the Lord Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, steps up to the plate, and he opens, he opens the seals to show us what the future is going to be. It's interesting. And, and as he opens them, the, the, the elders... The elders and, and the four living creatures and, and everyone in heaven falls down and they begin to worship. Remember the song we sang? Holy, 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 worthy are you. The one who was, is, and is to come. They fall down in worship. It's another, it's another hint of what the book of Revelation is all about. And then they begin to open the seals. They're seals of conflict. This is when the deconstruction, this is when the, the, the mess begins to happen. Seals of conflict, a white horse of conquest, a red horse of war, a black horse of famine, a pale horse of death. And then in the fifth seal, martyrs, the martyrs, the folks who have given their lives, no doubt, maybe even some of the apostles, they cry out to God, how long? How long will the earth be like this? How long before you do something about this messed up creation? How long before you deal with the sin that has messed up the creation? He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, right? To deal with our sin problem. But creation, this creation of his, still is marred by sin. 
And so the martyrs cry out, when are you going to deal with it? And then the sixth seal is, uh, is, is an earthquake. And then when the seventh seal is open, the seven trumpets are revealed. Seven trumpets of doom. The first trumpet, a third of the earth is destroyed. Messy, right? Renovation. That stuff in the middle of the room where you're figuring, where is this going to be? How are we going to ever get this back together again? Will the place ever be home again? Trumpet two, a third of the sea destroyed. Trumpet three, a third of rivers. Trumpet four, four a third of lights. Trumpet five, demons come and men are tortured. Trumpet six, a third of humankind destroyed. Now take a quick breath because that's a lot of deconstruction and that's a lot of destruction. The world is not a perfect place. And because sin has marred it, God has to deal with sin. So it's going to be a time of conflict. It's going to be a time of deconstruction. It's going to be a time of messiness. But don't forget the end of the book. There's a new creation that's coming. Don't forget. Now, before the seven bows, there are some historic visions. There's sort of these pause moments in and in these historic visions, there's a vision of worship in the temple being opened. And it's a pause moment, right? He gets there. He, 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 he's asking a question. No one can do it. The Lamb of God steps up. And then there's the story of the dragon and the woman. It, it, it's really interesting because it sort of reminds you of the apocalyptic Christmas story. This woman has a baby and the dragon comes to attack the baby and, and, and you picture this, this Satan and Jesus scenario. And the dragon is Satan and the woman are God's people, the church. And the people who have come from Jesus. And there's this battle, but the battle is done, right? Because Revelation tells us in 12, 12, don't forget this. He's wild and raging with anger. He hasn't much time because he knows it. He knows he doesn't have much time. The prophecy has already been fulfilled. Remember the prophecy? He will strike your heel, but you, would cr you will crush his head. And on Calvary, when Jesus died and got up on Sunday morning, that prophecy was fulfilled. The, the head of the serpent has been crushed. And so, so right now what he's done is he's trying, to, he's trying to take as many people with him to his final destination. But never forget there is no dualism. The adversary is a defeated foe. That happened at the cross. And then there's the vision of the beast. There are two in chapter 13, the beast of the sea and, and the beast of the earth. The beast of the sea seems to be some governmental beast, and the, and the beast of the earth is a religious beast. We'll get into that. And then the seven bows, the final disasters. God hates sin, and an unbelieving world just does not understand. So these disasters are against sin that has so marred its creation. These are the last plagues, it says in Revelation 15.1. And you go on to read about, it reminds you of some of the plagues coming out of Egypt. Sores, the sea being turned to blood, the rivers to blood, the fire coming from the sun, the beast kingdom turned into darkness, the river Euphrates dried up, and right after that, the world's Armageddon comes. And then a final great 
earthquake. And then I love this. And then the Bible says, it is done. Does it remind you? Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. He was talking about salvation. He was talking about what all that God did to make salvation possible for us, to make a relationship between him and us possible again. But when God says it is done in the book of Revelation, he means the deconstruction, the demolition, all of judgment is finished. Judgment of the earth. And things are going to change from this moment on. But before you can do the great reveal, let me say to you my favorite part of the series is the reveal. It'll be the third summer. It's my favorite part of the series. But before he does the great reveal of the recreated creation, one final thing has to happen, and that's the final judgment of individuals. But that's not where the book ends, thank God. The book ends with a final and eternal celebration. I don't know about you, but I like celebrations. I love celebrations. And, and it ends with this final celebration and God brings all of it to the end in chapter 21 of 1 through 6. This is a passage that I read at every funeral. Every time I'm near a small box or a big box or looking into an empty grave or leading memorial service or at the deathbed of someone, this passage is the passage I read. I saw heaven and earth new created, gone the first heaven gone the first earth, gone the sea. And I saw, the, the, I saw holy Jerusalem, new created, descending, resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for the bridegroom or the bride for her husband. And I heard a voice thunder from the throne, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. There is people, he's their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. And then it goes on to talk about the old order of gone, things gone, uh, uh, death gone, and tears gone, and crying gone, and pain gone. The throne continued, look, I'm making everything new. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will focus on the messy stuff and totally miss what God is doing I can't imagine a more dramatic book than Revelation with all that happens and all this poured out. When it comes to the end, God says, it's done. I'm making everything like you've never seen it. See, tears are just kind of a reality of where we live today. Whether it's because someone else's sin has poured into our lives or we've lost a loved one or we've gotten news from the doctors that we don't want to hear or our finances have gone belly up we've lost a job we have a kid that's in rebellion tears are just a part of where we live today this idea of sorrow is just a part of what our world is about this idea of people hurting people is just where we live right but it's going to change. One other thing to look forward to, I love this, is the tree of life. Back in the book of Genesis, you remember in the Garden of Eden, God planted the tree of life. No one ever ate of this tree. 
They were told not to eat of the tree of, of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And they did. And that's when the tear happened. And that's when their relationship was broken. Remember Genesis 22? What if now, what if now should, what if he now should reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it and live forever? Never. This cannot happen. I love the final scene and the new created heaven and earth and the new Jerusalem. Remember in the Garden of Eden, the, the river Euphrates flowed through the garden and they were cast out. Well, once again, the river will flow through the city. Once again, the tree, the tree of life will be planted in the center of the city and we'll be able to partake and we'll be able to be in relationship with him forever. Everything changes. Last but not least, don't miss the emphasis. If you were to spend time reading the stuff at the bookstores, if you were to spend time reading apocalyptic books at, on Amazon, <laughs> you could easily think that the main thing of Revelation are timelines and beasts and wars and numbers and destruction and the Antichrist and judgment. Don't get me wrong, all of those things happen all of those things, in fact, appear in the book, but they aren't the main things. And our society, with all of, with our kind of, we love the spectacular. We love the whiz, boom, and bang, and everything like that. So you can see how the three Ds of, of death and destruction and doom could elbow their way to the front of the line of the main thing, but they are not. Even Hollywood has jumped into the action. It's so interesting that Hollywood loves to destroy the earth. Movie after movie. Destruction of the earth. New York goes. California goes. Some of you guys will be happy about that. But, um, but, but everything is about destruction. You would almost think that they, their writers were getting their material from our side of the street. There's some important characters and happenings in the book of Revelation. Let me talk to you about a couple. The beast is important and is mentioned 37 times. The throne of God is important and is mentioned 41 times. The angels are mentioned 71 times. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus is mentioned more than anyone else. He's given the titles, a plethora of names like Son of Man, the Lamb, the Rider on the White Horse, because Jesus is the main thing. And to miss, and to miss the main thing of Revelation in the middle of a quest to unearth it, who, what, when, where, how, it's like taking a trip to D.C. and missing the fact that you're in the nation's capital. It's like going to Hollywood and zoning out on the TV and the movie thing. Jesus is the reveal. And in every action-packed scene and scenario, Jesus is the great reveal. He's the one that brings hope. He's the one that takes care of his people. He's the one who keeps his promises. He's the one that reclaims and recycles and reuses and renews and renovates. He's the one. 
He's the one who is large and in charge in that situation. And it's so sad that sometimes we're looking for the main thing and we're totally missing the main thing. He's on every page. He's in every chapter. You see him in every vision. You hear him in every pronouncement. He's the object of every scene of real worship and the one who was and is and will always be. He's a scene of every real worship. See, we, we're encouraged. The word encourages the, us to worship other things, to worship relationships, to worship our stuff, to worship our jobs, to worship addictions to worship everything else. And so there's so many false objects of worship, but he, he is the object of every real, every real worship set. This is how Jesus says it. I love it. I'm the A to Z, the first and the final, the beginning and the conclusion if you spend any time in John's gospel, his great book, his, his, his great book of Revelation, and you miss Jesus, the main thing, you miss Revelation, don't miss Jesus. He's the great reveal of the book of Revelation. So what should be our response? What should be our response to Revelation? John was encouraged to and responded with worship. John would say worship is the response to revelation, not fear, not running away. Worship. Whenever we fear, we get into a fight or flight kind of a mode. That's not the response. The response is continue to be the church, and the best way that we're the church is through worship. Worship is not what you do here on Sunday morning, whether you're online or in the building. Worship is a 24-7 elevation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the problem. The problem is sometimes we believe we're worshiping Christ and we're worshiping everything else but Christ. You want to know what you worship? Look at your time, your talents, and your treasures. They'll tell you what you worship. And you know what God says? You can't have two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You, you, you can't have two masters. And so in, in, this, in this call of, uh, uh, to worship, it, 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 I just believe that it should be our natural response. Romans says it, our natural response. We were created to worship God and live with him forever. And despite all of the mess and despite all of the deconstruction and, and despite all of the, the poured out and beasts and timelines and all of that, it's all about worship. Who will we worship? The Bible says that, that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that, that, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so I just feel like if we spend our time worshiping him with all our, and loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and loving our neighbors the way he has loved us, that we're in a perfect 
posture of worship. So let me ask you a question this morning, this evening, whenever you're looking at this, if you're online. Who or what are you worshiping? That's the question of Revelation. Who or what are you worshiping? It's my prayer that as we begin this series on Revelation, three summers, that we'll see the hope, that we'll understand the purpose, that we'll understand who is the main object of the book. And then that when we understand those things, that we will have a posture of worship. So we're going to pray in a couple of minutes. Here's what I want you to pray. I dare you. God, put a mirror in front of my face and reveal to me what my object of worship is. I believe you pray that, and if I pray that with sincerity in my heart, God will do just that. And some of us may need to make some reprioritization of our lives, of our stuff, of our habits. Would you pray with me? Father, God, thank you. Thank you for revelation. Thank you, Father, that <laughs> I said a couple of weeks ago, you are the first great environmentalist. It's not enough just to redeem your people. You want to redeem your creation. And so, Father, this morning, there are people in this room or listening to me online who are in one or two categories. Could be three, and I'll just name two today. The first category is a person who came to this place and does not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you came because you heard about Revelation and you thought that was really cool to, to hear about. And, and, and you don't have a relationship or, or, or maybe you kind of, you had a relationship and you walked away and, and today you would say, God, I, I want to understand what it means to know you, what it means to love you and be in relationship with you. And if you're like that this morning, you're listening to me, you can pray a prayer to, prayer to go something like this. God, thank you. Thank you for making possible on the cross and in the empty tomb a connection, a reconnection of my relationship. So, Father, I pray that uh, I, I confess that I've blown it. I've done my own thing. I've, I've, I've been worshiping me. And I ask you to forgive me and, and to come in and to live in my heart and take up residence. And I thank you. I believe you prayed a prayer like that from the sincerity of your heart. God will, God will meet with you. And by faith through grace, you will come into a relationship with him. There's a second group here. God has put a mirror in your face. Or God will put a mirror in your face. And you'll discover that that worship, your worship, your number one thing is not Jesus, is not the lamb who was slain. And you're going to need to reprioritize some stuff. And you're going to let some, have to let some stuff go and surrender some stuff. You're going to have to be changed from the inside out so your attitude change and your, your motives change and... But God's in the work of 
taking his people and making them more and more like Jesus every day. And so you could pray a prayer like this. God, thank you for the mirror. I know there's some changes that I need to make, and, and I'm willing to make those changes with your help. Father, fill me afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit so that I'm empowered to make the changes that I can't make on my own, that I can't bootstrap. Purify my heart. Set me apart for your service. Help me to love you and love others. And I thank you. Father, you're doing a new thing. <laughs> you're not finished. You're building your kingdom. And you said the very gates of hell will never be able to come or keep it out or come against it. And so help us be the people of God in these days. We give you praise. We worship you, the living God. The was and the is and the is to come. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, if you, uh, you pray one of those prayers, we want to know about it. You can email me at james at salemfields.com, and uh, I want to know about it. We want to connect you. We want to get you in a place. If you've given your life to the Lord for the very first time, we want to get you discipled. We want to make sure you know what you've done and, and help you. And if you have seen a mirror and you made some changes, we want to know about that as well. We want to support that in the way we can. And so you got a, a, my decision today, and it's up there. And uh, you can uh, respond accordingly. It tells you where you can touch base with us. If you want to talk to someone after the service, I'll be out in the uh, outside. Um, uh, there's a pastor that would love to talk with you. We'd love to connect with you and help you on the journey. Thank you so much for being here. We know there are plenty of places that you can be on the weekend. And we're so glad that you're hanging out with us in person online. God bless you. Love you guys. Thank you, Pastor James. Also, just want to remind you that all of the outlines for this entire series, uh, you can find SalemFields.com slash Revelation. Uh, Pastor James also shared an awesome devotional uh, just to kind of set up the series. So if you have not been able to check that out, definitely want to encourage you to do that. So we love you guys. Uh, next week, uh, the Independence uh, Day on Saturday. Uh, make sure you guys are there for that. And then also invite a friend back here as we continue the message next Sunday. God bless you all.